Welcome to the Tumbleweed Podcast, where we discuss an eclectic range of topics, including business, design, Texas culture, and everything in between. We're two teachers that turned a side hustle into a nationally known apparel brand, and now we work with some of the biggest names in Texas. We strive to never stop exploring and continue to draw inspiration from our adventures. So drift and explore or raise a glass. We're always ready to hang out and talk about the things that we love. So come roll with us as we drift and explore. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the part two of our Tumbleweed podcast. Um, I'm Brian Weissong, uh, co-founder of Tumbleweed Textiles. And with us today, we have Sharon, who oversees our customer experience. Oh, yeah. What's up, guys? And we got our uh, the man, the myth, the legend, co-founder, and our creative director, uh, Jeb Matalich. Howdy, y'all. So, but we're good to be back. We made it. We're here. And uh, we are excited to talk about how we got started at Tumbleweed Textiles over the last 10 years. Yeah. Awesome. I look forward to part two. How, uh, how was the weekend for you guys? It was good. It was busy. I mean, we, uh, we were both in different places. We had some events going on. Um, I took a team down to uh, Georgetown, Texas, and we had a, a little barbecue and uh, Texas music event called Troubadour Fest. And so we hit that up over the weekend. It was pretty fun. A little hot, but uh, the music was great, and the barbecue was uh, outstanding. So it was a very good, uh, fun weekend for us, for sure. And then Brian was uh, telling about where you are. Uh, we, uh, I was able to take our team to McKinney, just a Scott, skip, hop, and a jump right by Frisco um, at the TMR, Texas Music Revolution, with KHYI, one of our partners. Um, we were a sponsor there and got to... Hustle some T-shirts, hats, but also just had a great time listening to music, um, uh, being a part with Tupps Brewery, one of our partners as well, and just uh, having a great time. It was an incredible event. That's always a fun event. I've, I've been going to that for years. Even before we you know, had the company, I've, I'm a big fan of uh, TMR, so I always put on a good show. So it's, it's fun. What, what uh, bands were playing at Troubadour this year? Um, it was a great lineup. It was... Uh, like John Bauman played, um, William Clark Green, Flatland Cavalry. Um, and then they finished the night with uh, Josh Abbott. And then all four of them came back and all played together as the Panhandlers. So I believe they've only played a handful of times. So it was pretty cool. It was pretty special to see those guys uh, play at the end all together. So it was fun. I'm a little, little jealous, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was right. great. But it's crazy the night before, I got to hang out with John Bauman as well right. because he played in McKinney and then he traveled down to Saturday to play in Georgetown. And uh, we got to see uh, Caitlin Butts, um, Wade Bowen, nice. um, and uh, Hayes Carl. I oh. mean, it was an incredible lineup as well. Old Crow Medicine Show was there, too. Damn, right? man, they put on a great show. Oh, wow. They were rowdy. I yeah, love they, it. They get after them. They got a good fiddle player, maybe some banjo. I don't know. I haven't seen them in a while, but... Yeah, they know how to throw down for sure. Yeah. Of course, Sharon's, yeah, she had a weekend off. Yeah, I did not get to these events this weekend. But uh, I still had a good weekend, nonetheless. Went to some food trucks, so I uh, I can't I can't can't complain too much. But that is so sweet. I know. So right now we're in the middle of summertime, and that is our big event season around here at Tumbleweed. It seems like just about every weekend we're on the road somewhere, uh, seeing some awesome bands, and again getting to drink good drinks and eat good food and stuff like that. But 
I know I didn't realize early on, you know, when I was just a fan of Tumbleweed or even early on uh, on the team, I just had no idea, I don't know, kind of just all the spaces that Tumbleweed is in, right? I didn't know all the avenues of where we sell. And I know many of our customers that shop at our Frisco store often just think that's it. Like we just have this one store and that's all they know of or maybe online shoppers just know of the online store. They don't even know that we have a Frisco flagship store. Um, so I'm glad you guys mentioned events because that kind of, uh, leads us into just one of the things I wanted to get to talk to you guys about today is just some of kind of the sales avenues, um, that we utilize here at Tumbleweed, obviously you mentioned events, but, um, if you guys could just even expand on that of like some of the first events you did with Tumbleweed and maybe how that looks different from then to now, um, as well as some of the other ways that we sell here through Tumbleweed. Oh yeah. I mean, I can start talking about events. I mean, those I have some pretty fun memories of some of the stuff that we started with. I, I believe our very first event uh, was in Salina, Texas, and it was very early on. It might have been like 2012. I think it was the Cinco de Mayo event. And so, like, we didn't even have a tent. And I think I borrowed a tent from Phil Taylor, one of my friends, uh, yeah. PT Money. I got his tent, and it was just one that he had bought for the <laughs> beach, and it was like a blue tent. And we set it up, and we had, like, we literally had about, five or six designs, I think, set up. And right. we had hang, had them hanging on little coat hangers and the wind was blowing them everywhere. And we had like little stacks of shirts and some hand-painted signs and things like that. And yeah. I don't know if you remember, I gave you, uh, I went and got a board from, I think it was from my garage. And I gave oh, yeah. it to you and I said, hey, paint our name on it. Right. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't, yeah, we didn't have a sign. There were hand-painted signs, but they were kind of cool little hand-painted signs. But we did that event. That was our very first one. I think we made a couple hundred bucks. We were happy as can be. I mean, it was a really... Salina's blowing up now. Yeah. But uh, back then it was it was still pretty pretty small town. And so that was kind of our first event. And then we did some stuff with uh, at McKinney Trade Days was another right. thing that we kind of started off early yeah. with. I remember that. My wife at the time had a photography business. So she was able to work from home. So she was able to help me out. So I remember setting up on a Thursday. Uh, and we I had to make a shelf. So actually, I don't know if you remember that. But I... Right. I put together a little shelf. I had no idea what we were doing, and we rolled up and set up at McKinney Trade Days. Uh, I think it was set up on a Thursday, but it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event, and it was so hot, and I think we sold like four or five shirts, <laughs> and we no. thought we were made made a killing. At that time, we are like, man, we made a lot of money. Yeah. And so, uh, but it was a pretty cool deal, both of those events, because when you think about our brand and how we got started – I think that is why our brand is so synonymous to living that the Texas life is because these were events with craft beer, Cinco de Mayo, junking. Jeb is junky trinkets. He is the man of all things junk. And, um, and I think that synonymous with his name. And so live music and food and, uh, events have really put us, uh, in, in the, in that community of putting on these events and, selling our product and people having a good time. So, I mean, events was really how we got started because of that, just kind of weekend pop-ups. Yeah, and it started small for sure. I mean, I think one of the first bigger events that we did was the Frisco Arts in the Square. It was kind of an event kind of put through um, like the the arts of Frisco and then also the school district and then Frisco Square. Uh, I think that's really when we kind of started to see the momentum start to build Um, with that because by that time we had multiple shirts you know so we could put out 15 designs and uh there was you know our name was starting to kind of get out there and so we we were able to kind of use social media to get 
people, you know, local people into into those events. And I really think that's kind of where we started seeing a good return on our time and, and investment with events. And then just the power of an event. I mean, because you think, oh, you sold a shirt to somebody, cool, you know, they're going to wear it and you're never going to see them again. But we, we realized just how important it was uh, for those people to take it home and, like, take that business card that we put in their bag and then like look us up online and start following us on Facebook or Instagram and, and then making a purchase online or buying something for friends. So that's really kind of where it. And I I think, you know, experiential marketing is getting out living experience, but kind of a relational element to it is not only was this good for our customers, but events were always great for us. And I don't know if you remember untapped festival, um, that was an event that not only did we sell a lot of shirts, did we get to be surrounded by great music and great craft beer, kind of be part of the pioneers, uh, untapped festival of craft beer in Dallas Fort Worth. But we also got to meet our printer and we got to meet uh, other relationships of the guy that ended up helping us run events for the longest time. Right. Um, House of Growlers. Right. Jake. Jake. And so, uh, I mean, events have really been such a great part. And I think, Tell me if I'm wrong, but one of the most fun parts about it is allowed us as the owners to have an identity behind the brand. So it wasn't just like these are T-shirt, they're sold online with a social media. People were able to come and talk to us and ask Mm -hmm. us questions. We got to tell the story. We got to learn more about the customers and what they really wanted, what they wanted to hear, what made our brand tick with them. And so I think for us, getting to tell that story really helped us develop those relationships, which allowed people to realize how authentic we were, hopefully kind of likable. <laughs> Jeb's the likable one. And, um, and just have a good time at those events with our customers and not just sell the product. I mean, we were drinking with them, eating with them, hanging out with them. Um, do you remember that Untapped Festival? It was like one of the first. Your brother was there. Oh, the Fort Worth one. Yeah. Yeah, it was the first one. And... I remember we didn't have a tent, as you said. This was the first one we ever bought. I, we probably rolled up to Academy or Walmart. Bought the cheapest one they had, for sure. And, and at the end of the night, we we were trying to take down our tent. It was dark. We didn't have any more lights. And we could not figure out how to get this tent closed. Yeah. There's some latches or something that we weren't we were missing. And, like, I think one of the, the arms of the tent just, like, bowed out and, like, cracked. And we, we went, basically ended up just folding it up and just throwing it in the dumpster we went, on the way out. We went off of space on that. We did. We were so frustrated because <laughs> it's like one in the morning and we couldn't get it up, get it done. But yeah, that was a good story for sure. The destruction of the tent. Yeah. But I think the, the Dallas untapped fest, the one we did the next year or the next season, that was the one where we both kind of looked at each other afterwards and we're like, whoa, we could yeah. be onto something here. I mean, because we were slammed all day long and it was just like relentless. Like we were just, I never worked so hard in my life. It was like <laughs> we were just making transactions the whole time. Yeah. And we just like looked at each other like, wow, this is we're, – we're really, you know, we're meeting a need. We're connecting with people. that We've got something here. I think that's when it really hit event-wise. For sure. And I think events naturally tied into our other areas. You mentioned other avenues. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, we've got our, uh, our events, but then that really allows us to transition to online because people will learn about us or see our shirts, meet us at an event. We give them a marketing card of some sort and it may be a discount code. Then they go shop online and hopefully from there they continue to get, you know, more um, uh, established with our brand by selling online. If, you know, depending on where you live, sometimes people go to events, but they're from all over the country, all over the state. Mm-hmm. So it allows them to reconnect with us whenever they want. But we also have uh, probably what has made us most successful is our wholesale. 
Uh, we have served probably close to, I mean, 2,000, 3,000, 3, who knows what retailers since. Yeah, over the years. Over the years. And um, I remember when we first got our very first retailer, uh, Lisa, right? Lisa. <laughs> And, Shout uh, out Lisa. Yeah, Shout Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> and uh, she's still one too. She's yeah, she's still, still one. And oh, actually, man. her her son uh, Josh works for us uh, now. It's funny how it all full full circle. But uh, she started selling our items in Grapevine and at the Frisco Mercantile. And I remember for us, it was more of a consignment than wholesale. <laughs> but it kind of it rocked our world a little bit because we didn't know what we were doing and. Um, she would order them bulk, and we realized, man, yeah, you're giving a discount, but selling 10 of one thing is better than selling one thing 10 different times. Mm. Yeah. And that really opened the door to us to realize, okay, there's a whole other avenue to sell product uh, via wholesale. Yeah, I remember mm. when she came to me, like her son Josh played soccer with my son Max. This is like when they were really young, and she was, you know, she, she heard that we had started a T-shirt company, and we'd start selling some shirts, and she was wanting to look at them, and she's like, oh, I might want some of those in our store. I'm like, oh. Cool. We didn't ever even think of that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was definitely the stepping stone with that. And then I remember also, Brian was talking about our online presence, just our online store. Uh, we started getting inquiries. Uh, you know, someone would buy a shirt, give it as a gift, and it got in the hands of a couple people, I think down in South Texas, I think. Uh, green was one of the first ones. It's not Green House. It wasn't Green House at the time. It was a other owner mm-hmm. before, uh, and she was she was really on board with some of the stuff. And that was kind of our first bigger retailer that we yeah. were actually having to box things up and ship them down. Yeah, uh, to South Texas. Then we really started to have to re- rethink what we were doing. We're like, okay, we're not ordering enough. Yeah, um, started definitely learning how to play that game. Well, that was fun because it allowed me to finally become a salesman. And, you know, I loved I loved turning that on that charm. And uh, I remember hopping in the car and driving to like downtown McKinney. I drove uh, between here and Round Top. Uh, my in laws live in Round Top, Texas, and on the way you go through. Hillsboro and then Waco and then you would make your way through Giddings and finally find your way to Round Top. And I remember at stopping in each step of the way um, in Orison's in downtown McKinney became yeah, one. Right. And she's like, yeah. And I actually took in a box of items. I said, hey, here's three different designs that we have. Do you want them? She's like, yeah, I'll take them. I'm like, now? Yeah, I'll take them. So I just remember leaving them there. And then when I left, I realized, how am I going to get payment? Yeah. <laughs> And then I remember they said something like, what are your net terms? I had no clue what net terms meant. Right. And so it ended up being net 15. We're in 15 days. They paid us back. And I I went back, hopped on Excel and had to figure out how to make an invoice. And um, same thing when I drove down to Waco, Spice Village, uh, Giddings, we landed a retailer there. Right. And then I think that's when we started seeing a big time growth because people would find our products at these retailers in other parts of the state. And then they would find us back on Instagram or Facebook or our website and shop. And I remember noticing, man, why are people buying our stuff in Waco or here or there? It's because they were finding us at retail stores. Right. We really didn't have any, Oh, I mean, I didn't at least have any kind of clue of like the impact that the, that the retail stores were going to have. And I think we both were kind of caught off guard because we weren't expecting like what Brian just mentioned, you know, just like someone in Giddings, Texas buying our shirt and then looking at the tag and being like, Oh, Tumbleweed, they have a store online, and then you know, then we start yeah. getting orders from random places. So, it really did start to to roll at that at that time. And we yeah. start, and, and once one retailer gets it, other retailers get jealous, and they're like, "Well, I want some of that stuff too." And so, yeah, yeah. it just kind of kept growing from there. Yeah. We, well, I have family that lives in the Houston area, and my sister specifically has several of our shirts 
and always noticed the red hem tag and how soft they were and all of that. And it wasn't until I started working here that she was like, wait a second, that's all the same place. But she just got them from her adventures in South Texas and yeah. just all over where it's like, you might buy it from 10 different retailers, you know, and you have no idea until you look at the tag or the hem yeah. tag um, that it's all us. So You nailed it because the hem tag came really because of all the retailers that unknowingly were selling potential knockoffs and people are assuming that that was our product. And we have some very proud customers. Mm-hmm. And when they realized that wasn't our good, they would get frustrated. So that's where the hem tie came was to allow people to know this was an authentic, yeah. real deal uh, tumbleweed textiles item. Yeah. And so we mentioned our sales channels, you know, uh, of course, online events, on, uh, wholesale uh, we also have custom, mm-hmm. you know, we touched on a little bit last time, last podcast, but um, we do custom work at large scales. Uh, we don't do family reunions and weddings and those kind of things. But if it makes sense for our brand and it's a, a true partnership, we'll do um, collaborations typically with um, different Texas brands. Um, I'm trying to think of a few Whataburger yeah, Whataburger, we've done some stuff with Dr. Pepper, um, Zavala's Barbecue. Uh, we've done some stuff. Like early, some of the early things we did were some of those, uh, like Royer. Uh, oh, yeah, Royer's. Royer's in, uh, in um, Round, Top. Round Top. So we've got quite, and then we started doing some band merch for some for some different bands and things too. So, yeah, that custom part is, an, is another little missing element, um, or another little cog in the, in the machine, I guess you could say, that kind of keeps keeps it going. And then the last one is Tumbleweed Textiles flagship Frisco store, which about two years ago we opened, which is funny because most companies start with a store, then they move to online yeah. and potentially wholesale. Yeah. We kind of went about this a wholly different way where it was <laughs> um, online, wholesale, and then our own store. And that was because we were high school teachers. We didn't have the time nor the ability to invest into a brick and mortar, but because of that store, it's opened up so many amazing yeah. opportunities for our brand, not only to have a, an establishment in Frisco, but to also force us to hire a lot of people. Because mm-hmm. we realized I couldn't be, nor he could he be, at one place for seven days all the time. And I was there pretty much every day for, for a year. Jeb would come up uh, as much as he could on the weekends and after hours from school um, but that really has opened a door for us, not just as a sales channel, but as an operational opportunity to grow as a company. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody loves to come in the store and like touch and feel and try things on. And like, you know, we carry some things in the store that, that we don't have, or we don't, we don't have online or we don't take to events. So it's always kind of fun to, to have that avenue too. And then, you know, kind of getting back to events a little bit. I mean, the growth there just over the years, you know, we're not using a small little, dinky tent anymore you know we've got like a big 10 by 20 we've got a couple 10 by 20 like red tents you know that are branded um we always put good signage up i mean it's, we've got a van now you yeah know, that we, we got that after we got the store because we realized we we're going to need to start couriering stuff yeah. around and then you know be able to get all these things to these events so yeah the growth with uh events has been crazy over the years i mean we've done things like you know great fests main street days um arts in the square like we mentioned uh, Troubadour Fest, TMR, 
uh, Murphy Beer Fest. So that, I mean, we're doing festivals all the time. Spring and fall are usually our big, big months. We're kind of starting to get into where we're easing them down because it just gets too hot in Texas. But, <laughs> but yeah, definitely we've seen a lot of growth uh, through the store, um, like for our events too. It's just been kind of a catalyst altogether. Now, that red van, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, has been one of the blessings to me because before I was using my vehicle to do everything and Jeb and I would use both of our vehicles to, to take all the stuff in between events. Yeah. Right. Um, and I mean, th- there's kind of an important meaning or name behind that red van because uh, we knew we had to name it. Right. And la- podcast, uh, the first podcast, we I made a comment about the, the, the importance of blue goose where we first came up with our company name mm. and that kind of ties into our red van. What do we call it? We call it the goose. The goose. Aww. Yeah. So and some some people was a good fitting name for yeah. since we started the company there and we needed something. Yeah, I think so. Some people think Maverick or Top yeah. Gun or <laughs> no no no. The Goose from Blue Goose Cantina. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the the place we took a shot in celebration for uh, the the name of Tumbleweed Textiles. But it's really cool that van also is when people see it drive up and down 35 in different areas, uh, the branding element as well. But it comes back to the team. Mm-hmm. We've grown. I think we start off with Jeb and I, then my wife, Hillary. Um, Carrie, Jeb's wife, has been a part of the team helping out events and things. And uh, Fred was one of our first uh, artists that helped support the brand. But I think since then now we – have close to, I think I counted 24 people that touch our brand on a daily to weekly basis. And that's all been the last two and a half years. And um, I think Carissa, who's our store manager, was one of the first people we knew we needed. Uh, She had a background in merchandising and a background in retail experience. Um, And Jeb had a great relationship with her husband, Brandon. Mm Mm-hmm who is now our events manager, you know, <laughs> All the family. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that, and that helped instigate that, that need to expand our team and grow. Um, and now we have you Sharon. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, and so overseeing our customer Thank experience. You, <laughs> uh, I used to get tired of those, uh, customer service emails. I, just, I don't know. They would get frustrating at times. <laughs> I guess you could say Brian was nicer than me sometimes. Yeah. Well, give him a free shirt. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, but, uh, I don't know. I always <laughs> felt they were lying sometimes, but, you know. What's a weird experience that you've experienced or been a part of so far as uh, overseeing customer service? Oh, gosh, a weird experience? Yeah, just maybe a funny story, something random. Well, this is something random. The first thing that comes to my mind is that uh, I had a guy email, gosh, I don't know, a month or two ago, and he received the shirt as a gift, and he loved it, and he he told me that, uh, his wife had sadly mistaken the size he was. He's no longer a medium like she thought uh, he was, and so he needed to size up. And uh, it was his, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> common common issue that happens, especially for gifts. And uh, it was his daughter who had bought the shirt for him for his birthday or something. And anyway, I was looking him up, and I was like, yeah, what's your daughter's name? I need to find her order. And sure enough, it was one of my very best friends uh, oh, wow. who her dad lives lives in the Houston area. And I've never met her dad, so I didn't recognize his name. And, you know, she's married, so her last name is different and all of that. But um, so I got to see my friend that night and be like, you'll never guess who I emailed with today. Well, you're already yeah. earning your keep. Your dad. There you go. <laughs> deals with, yeah, I like that. 
But I'll, I'll say about our growth with just the team members in general. I mean, and you hear this on all the business podcasts and, and people that talk about business. I mean, you've got to, there's some, it comes a point where you can't do everything. Like you have to kind of choose. There's going to be things that you don't like to do. Yeah. And there's going to be someone that likes to do that task. And, you okay. know, it's kind of like getting the right person, you know, on the bus to do that job that maybe you don't care much about. Um, or you have to learn to delegate. There may be something that you do like, but it's just something that's taking too much of your time because there's something else that you need to focus on. And you need to delegate and give that job or give that position or that task to someone else. And so I yeah. think that's hard uh, starting out is just kind of like delegating tasks that we're used to owning between the two of us, like giving them to someone else because it's kind of our baby, you know, so we want to make sure it's in good hands. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's just goes with growth, I guess, but we had to kind of learn that. Well, think about it. We've, our company's been around for now almost 11 years. We've talked about doing a podcast for eight. <laughs> yeah, right. And it took finally hiring this amazing person, McKenna, shout out, <laughs> um, to finally get us to do this podcast. Yeah. And right. it goes back to we knew we wanted to do it, but we didn't have the skill set of how to produce it or put this together. And definitely, I think a lot of our growth we've seen in the last two years is directly because of the human assets, the people touching our brand on a daily basis. Um, and like Jeb said, many times there's tasks that we don't want to do, or maybe we're not as good at, mm -hmm. but there will always be someone out there willing to do that task or that is ex significantly better at us at doing it. And it's just a matter of learning to delegate. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the first key of leadership and ownership is learning to delegate down to those that are willing to um, be a part and catch the vision of what you're doing. Yeah. And, well, go ahead. and I'm sure it lets you guys too be able to then focus on the things that you really like and that you really are great at, you know? I hope so. You know, <laughs> we, we think we're pretty good at a few things. Um, but I think now that we have a, such an amazing team, um, it, it's allowed us to grow. And, and Jeb specifically, although you're obviously an incredible artist, especially uh, if I'm saying the right medium, but pen to paper, right. Um, allowing you to now, I mean, you now have McKenna and Hillary and Fred and other artists underneath you that allows you to, to rise up and truly be a director. How's that experience been for you? Um, having those that can help work with you. It's been great. I mean, it's fun to just have people to bounce ideas off of, you know, in the early days, it was always me. And I kind of felt a lot of pressure of like, I've got to come up with this design. I've got to do this, but you can sit down and talk with or email or chat with uh, your, your your design group. Uh, you can kind of get some different ideas. They may look at something a little bit different uh, than, you know, through a different lens than I would. And it kind of, you know, spurs on different ideas. Or they might come up with something and I may just add a finishing touch to it. Or I may come up with something and it's not quite there. And then they may see something that I didn't see and they add something to it. So it's been great just to have that camaraderie and kind of like a team of people, you know, with, with more sets of eyes on the design itself. Um, yeah. So yeah. And definitely I, a good deal. And I feel it too, for me on the marketing and business operations side, is the, the one person that's probably been the biggest saving grace to me, no offense, all right, no. Sharon, no, 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 um, is Audrey. Yeah. Um, Audrey is my sister-in-law, <laughs> Hillary's sister, um, but she's been with us almost since day one. And she's the first one that came in and took over service. And she did a lot better job than what Jeb and I were doing. Because Jeb and I would take it personal. Like, you don't like this shirt? Yeah. Come on. Like, yeah, right. there's yeah. a hole in it. Well, 
sorry, you know, whatever it is. But she really came in and it was a master of problem solving, but then developed the system that then you, Sharon, could step in and take over yeah. because she built that system. Mm-hmm. And it allowed Jeb to design, me to do marketing and lead. It allowed her to run those operations and oversee inventory. And then also on the social media marketing side with Katie, um, for her to come in and every single day there's a post going on social media and it's strategic with a purpose or interacting with different uh, people that we're advertising with or doing sponsorships with. So now I feel like our team has finally got to a point that we have a human that's not Jeb or myself mm-hmm. overseeing each aspect of our business, which allows us to bring more focus to each individual part and do such a better job of managing. And I feel like, yes, we have great designs. Yes, I feel like we have great branding and marketing, but our company would not be where it's at if it wasn't for the team that we have in place. Um, and I think I can speak for Jeb, but pretty, pretty thankful for who we got. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember the days where we were like trying to just figure out what we were going to, we always felt like, what are we going to do on Instagram today? We've got to post, we've got to post a picture. What are we going to do? And we're like, oh, I don't know. Do you have an idea? No. And we're like, well, uh, I got one of our hats on. Maybe I'll just go in the backyard yep. and put it on the patio <laughs> <laughs> and uh, take a picture of it. Okay. That works. Put a filter. And so yeah, yep. it's been really nice. Like having people that kind of are managing that, those things that not necessarily that we didn't like to do, but it was just like something that we needed to do, but maybe we just didn't, we hadn't planned for it. Or we had other things on our plate. Uh, yeah, so we're super thankful for our team and just the, the growth that we've had and just everybody's role and, and how it's all played out so far. And I'm sure uh, throughout this podcast, you know, as we go throughout the, the the series or whatever, we'll be talking a lot more in depth about some of that kind of stuff as well. But yeah, yeah. I'm sure you guys have learned um, a few lessons over the last 11 years, right? Like even just that learning, maybe when you start to feel the growing pains of when you need to add someone new on and yeah. delegate some things or, um, you know, even just learning to invest in a good tent for events that oh, you don't have to throw away at the man. end of the night. Yeah. Um, Money well spent. I think that's something, too, that a lot of people want to learn from others' mistakes, right? Yeah. Or maybe just others' experiences. Um, so any other kind of life lessons that you feel like – would be helpful for maybe our listeners to hear about? Well, I think some points in this podcast, we could have so many other podcasts based off each individual point we've talked about. And I think we need to have a podcast just on lessons learned. Um, But I think for me, one of the biggest lessons I learned is uh, at the beginning is the need for systems. Because since day one, when we were first on Etsy and then we moved over to Shopify to sell online, there's just an immense amount of data and information you gather, but data and information is only as good as how you use it. And I just remember years fast forward, we had to go back and try to gather all that information, like Gosh. maybe emails, like, and then we started our email campaign or accounting, knowing, oh, we made X amount of dollars on hats versus shirts, rather than looking at the overall picture of we sold X amount of dollars worth. Because all that information was valuable. And for instance, as an example, once we were able to collect all those em- emails, we started doing email campaigns and our sales just dramatically went up because we were able to retarget people that we had reached all those years previous. And I just look back and think if we would have been doing that since day one, we could have had a better connection to those people that were shopping our brand or accounting, inventory management, 
Um, there's just so much data and information that goes through. So just developing systems from the get-go and collecting that information and then using the information to make wise decisions and choices. Yeah. Of course, Brian talks about all the business side of it and all that stuff is, is super important because that's the, that's not the way my brain worked early on. <laughs> I see it all now, but back yeah. then not not as much. But I guess some of the things that I learned early on were just kind of like like we had to learn the apparel business. Yeah. Like we didn't know anything about screen printing and any of that kind of stuff. So we, you know, we started learning like what garments were good because early on we were kind of like looking for like just a cheap shirt. What's the cheapest shirt that feels kind of soft, you know? And so we kind of cut some corners early on thinking that we were going to save money, but we realized, Hey, you need to put a, you know, you need to find a good garment, you know, for one, because otherwise you're going to have a lot of customer service issues because there's going to be rips and you know yeah. seams are going to tear. And then we started, we started learning about screen printing about, uh, you know, the inks and the layering and texturing. And so I think we learned a ton just in the first couple of years, just about the business itself, uh, about when we got into wholesale, like what the keystone model is, you know, how you, how you price things, um, relationships with people, you know, so there's certain relationships that we may have gotten into or, or people that we met along the way that, you know, they always had some sort of motive, you know, and so we had to, you know, you have to, you kind of have to trust your gut and, and find out, find people that are really wanting to work with you for you and not take advantage of you. So um, like, like, like Brian said, we could probably go into a, a whole <laughs> couple episodes on things that we've learned, but those are some of the early things I know that we, we definitely learned um, really quick. Yeah. And I think it goes back to what we discussed a little bit ago is the team is I, I kind of wish we would have added more people to our team earlier on hmm. uh, versus running myself yeah, or ourselves sure. into the ground. Yeah, I lost a few hairs uh, <laughs> since we started this company and when I had my first child, I guess. But uh, just the, the need for human and uh, help support yeah. has been great. And not only our own employees and team members like, like yourself, but even those that we contract out to. Um, you know, one gentleman, uh, Scott has been just a significant help to us. Uh, he helps us problem solve things that we don't think about, or our mind doesn't think that way. He's such an uh, engineering minded person. And, um, basically having a, it's so important as a business person to find a mentor that can help you, but also just people that will speak into your life with the best of intentions for your company. And I think Jeb and I both can say this is finding a very that very tight knit small circle of humans that are willing to help support you, and be honest with you. Um, whereas I think at the beginning we both kind of just trusted everyone and went with the flow, uh, just assumed everyone was out for our best interests, and that definitely wasn't the case. Um, and that sounds really negative, like man, you can't trust a lot of people. But on the flip side, it makes you appreciate those that are loyal and uh, and so supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just find that tight knitted group of people that you can really trust, uh, to rely on. Yeah, for sure. And I guess another thing I just thought of when you're talking about that, one thing we learned is that we don't want to, we didn't want to do our own fulfillment. <laughs> uh, yeah. It took, I mean, after we kind of started getting a lot of sales, I think we did like a labor day sale once and like, I don't know, Brian got into his marketing genius and he, he, he sent out, I mean, it was a great campaign and we were like, and it it hit spot on and we had so many t-shirt sales, but like I had half the inventory at my house in my office. <laughs> he had half the inventory in his yeah. garage at his house. And I think we met at my house. He just brought all his boxes. I brought all my boxes. We were like in my kitchen, just like <laughs> separating orders, like printing out stuff, bagging things. And we took it all like to the, we just yeah. packed the cars up wow. and took them to the post office. And we're like, okay, this is like Never our again. whole weekend was <laughs> yeah. taken up with, uh, 
you know, packing shirts. We found out real quick we don't want to do that. So luckily we <laughs> were able to convince our printers early on, like, hey, could you guys maybe figure out a way to ship this stuff yeah. out for us? Because this is taking way too long. But, and, uh, and if you're one of those that received one of those packages, it might have had some dog hair on the tape <laughs> yeah, or right. uh, something from our house that uh, – a little piece of ourselves to you. So, yeah. But, yeah, th- that – that was horrible. Well, the good old days. But that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. I mean, that's yeah. you learn from that stuff. And you, as you grow, you just have to kind of figure out some new solutions and, and be willing to sometimes spend some money to, to help you grow. You know, I think early on we were kind of like, oh, that seems like a lot of money. I don't know if we can spend that much on the upgrade on the website or whatever it might be. And then, like, every time we've done that, every time we've put money into yep. to that, it's always it's always paid off. Because yeah. it, takes, it takes work off of our – you know, sh- shoulders, and it's uh, in in the long run, it, it ends up uh, benefiting us. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, having vision, but then taking next steps on it, taking action. But I think there's also one other thing that Jeb and I have uh, mentioned, and in, on interviews that we've been on or different podcasts, that is very true: is there is a need to strategize, there's a need to plan, there's a need to be very thorough. But I think one of the number one things that businesses struggle with is from the get-go is just stepping out and getting it just doing it and you there's many businesses that try to make it perfect and then they never launch but whereas Jeb and I it's better off to just get it out there if you have an idea start it give it a shot and then make it better refine it as you go Uh, people like seeing businesses and products get better Whereas if you hit a home run on the first at bat, you know, it's yeah, pressure's I mean, on then. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's one thing with Jeb and I, when we first got started, we just did it. Didn't think about it. Probably because we didn't have any hopes or aspirations to be 11 years later, a big old business. Yeah, it was low pressure. And, you know, hundred percent, you know, and I know that's an answer that he gives many times on interviews, but it's just, just take a first step. You know, don't eat the elephant all, all at once, one bite at a time. Uh, and that's just a recommendation or encouragement we have to other business owners is if you have an idea, do it, give it a shot, low risk at the beginning. It's higher risk as you go. Um, I don't know what, what's your thoughts on that. No, those are great words of wisdom. Like you said, the the perfection thing was one of the things that I, that kind of, I don't know, I always felt like, well, I don't know if we should launch that. It's gotta be, you know, we need to make it perfect. But if you do that, you're always going to be nitpicking at things yeah. and you're never going to get it perfect. So it's always better just to, even if it's at, 85%, 95%, then get it out there, tweak it from there, and then, you know, then you can learn from those mistakes and grow that way. Hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this on you for a second because yep. you're hearing from us as the owners. So, since you've been with Tumbleweed Textiles, is there something that you've learned maybe about business, service, design, anything that kind of has uh, changed your perspective on on this career that you have right now? Yeah, man, I think, uh, Brian, you mentioned earlier, Audrey, who is kind of my, I guess, direct boss in the sense of uh, customer service and all of that. And you mentioned she just laid such a great foundation for uh, the role that I was stepping into with customers. I think um, I have friends who often I think when I took this job we're expecting like man you're probably not gonna like to answer a lot of angry emails every day and all of that and I wouldn't right like no one wants to just you know deal with angry people all day long but (laughs) our customers typically aren't like that like they like you said we have very loyal customers who love our gear um and I think come in even if something isn't quite right uh they 
at least for the most part, customers who have uh, interacted with us before know that we will do everything we can to make it right. And so I think Tumbleweed as a whole just works really hard to do things with integrity and to do things the right way and to treat others how we want to be treated. And um, I think, you know, whether it's at events when we're hot and you've been on your feet all day long and you still get to treat people with kindness and, you know, you're still so grateful that they're buying a T-shirt from us, right? Or if it's people emailing because, uh, you know, something's wrong with their order or anything like that. Um, I think I've gotten to see just from working here and, again, the example that's been set for me and you guys and in people who have, who have been on the team longer than me um, is just, yeah, just do it, doing things the right way. And it's never too hard to go the extra mile to do the right thing and to treat our customers, you know, just as, as well as we can, I guess regardless of the circumstances. So anyway, I love all that, that it's like, man, even in all of the lessons to be learned, there's hope in all of this. There's, you know, you're, you're still learning and you've learned a few things, I would guess over the last 11 or so years. Um, But man, that's a good message. Yeah, for sure. And you guys are still such teachers, you know, I love that. I'm like, I'm always still learning, Brian, you don't, you're not a teacher officially anymore, but um, just everything you guys have said is it's teaching Teaching me, teaching our listeners, hopefully, of, um, I don't know, just it's okay to, to try, and maybe you have a couple failures along the way, but you're trying. That's, that's what we hope with this podcast. As we move forward and we break down subjects uh, a little bit more in a micro way, uh, when we talk about barbecue, Texas music, and all things Texas, but specifically, I'm most excited about the opportunity to educate listeners, all of you that are out there listening about business art, design, and specifically from the lessons that we've learned over the course of 11 years. Yeah, man, this is like our second episode. Like we've finished a second episode (laughs) of a podcast. I know. I mean, there's got to be some sort of statistic like podcasts only make it so many episodes. We've got to be on our way to longevity. We just got to make sure we go live with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to publish these still. Yeah, so if you've heard this, you can like and leave a review and five stars and all those things. So, well, thank you guys. Yeah, we'll, thank uh, you. That was we'll fun. We'll be back next week. Okay. Thanks. We appreciate it. See y'all.